Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Hello, Dr. Wignall. Hi, Todd. How are you doing? Peachy. Good. Yeah. I've got a topic to discuss with you. Excellent. Neuroticism. Mmm, neuroticism. You hear this word? Yeah. You've heard of this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I hope so, Dr. Wignall. <laughs> Why? Would it be concerning <laughs> if I had never heard of neuroticism before? Yeah, it would. Yeah. <laughs> well, at, you know, as a as a psychologist, this, this term is correlated with so many... Uh, presentations, so yeah. many disorders and so many um, kind of reactions from people that, yeah, if you haven't heard of that, I would be a little bit concerned. Okay, wait, let's do brief free association. Neuroticism. What's the first thing that comes to mind? Scary. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. do it to me. Neuroticism. Woody Allen. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a perfect example of how this word uh, does a lot of work. It's got a lot of over the years, it has accumulated a lot of meanings and associations and connotations um, and, and uses. So maybe we should, maybe we should kind of take the, start with the, kind of the big picture and just look at like, what are the different um, sort of theories or takes on neuroticism? Okay, okay. So I like the, maybe the, the one of the older original versions of it is sort of a um, Freudian or psychodynamic term for different levels of, there, there were, if I, let's see if I can remember back to back grad school, different levels of sort of psychological functioning. There was neurotic, borderline, and psychotic, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And they described sort of people who were neurotic were kind of, they might have some kind of insecurities, anxieties, whatever, um, but they were basically functioning, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Borderline was, well, it was on the border between neurotic and psychotic, which is like you're decompensating you just can't function you can't determine what's real or not right. in life and borderline was sort of this like in between zone where you were experiencing so much distress that like sometimes you could kind of function and then sometimes you would sort of lapse into not really being able to function right. in life so that's that's like the really uh, that's the kind of the, the older maybe the oldest kind of mm-hmm. conceptualization mm-hmm. Of, of neuroticism and I'm, I'm, most of the field I think has kind of moved away from that definition to kind of uh, more modern research around the big five personality traits. Yeah, okay, tell us about this. Um, uh, personality researchers have kind of identified five uh, personality traits that we can all be kind of somewhat um, um, described by. Um, and there's five. Let's see if I can do this. The uh, openness to new experiences, um, conscientiousness, mm-hmm. uh, neuroticism, last one, agreeableness, and extroversion. Um, those are the five. So um, these are the five personality traits that, that uh, um, most researchers look at to determine what kind of personality you might have. And neuroticism is, is one of them. And it's, it basically describes the degree to which you are kind of emotionally reactive. And oftentimes the people who have a lot of neuroticism um, feel overwhelmed by negative or aversive emotions. Yeah, so I, th- tell me if this is right or not. The way I think about it is it's almost like your your sensitivity to especially negative or painful emotions is higher. Right. So like two units of anxiety hit you, know, you Dr. Sewell, and they feel like two units of anxiety. If I'm, neuro- if I'm like pretty high on the neurotic scale, two units of anxiety hit me and it feels like eight. 
Yeah. Right. My subjective experience of it is really high. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So something that that's why one thing can happen and people can have very different levels of emotional reaction to the same kind of triggering sort of event or. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've always kind of looked at this as, and and I think it's a, a, a decent way to look at it is, is like high emotional reactivity. There's a, there's an overwhelming kind of emotional response to things that would probably not evoke yeah. such a, a huge response in other individuals. Is that true for both positive and negative emotions or more negative? It tends to be negative. Okay. Yeah. More overwhelmed by a small degree of anxiety, fear, um, frustration, loneliness. Uh, some of these more aversive emotions yeah. tend to be overwhelming and, and much um, felt in a more exaggerated way for people with, who are more neurotic. Right. Now, we, we, I have to bring up my definition of neuroticism. Okay. <laughs> Not my, it's just the one that uh, I think of when I first hear the term neuroticism, um, which is Woody Allen, right? Woody Allen is famous for this kind of neurotic personality. But it, when you think of Woody Allen, like at least to me, when I think of Woody Allen or Woody Allen movies anyway, is this person who is kind of constantly worried and overthinking things, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. always kind of in a tizzy, like always just sort of worried about something and and imagining the worst and kind of can't kind of complainy, a little complainy too. There's mm-hmm, a little bit of mm-hmm. that in it. Um, but just like can't stop thinking and worrying about stuff. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. That's like an interesting subtype of neuroticism that has kind of seeped into culture. And like, I, I think that's when people say like, Oh, he's so neurotic. I think that's usually kind of what they mean in very mm-hmm. casual terms. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't think most people have, the knowledge or expertise around these these more psychological, either the kind of the Freudian psychodynamic or the more contemporary right. big five understanding of, of neuroticism. But it, it's a confusing term because that's what I mean. It does, it, it works on all these different levels. But the, the, the root of that is neuroses though and, and that kind of overreactivity would be now, full disclosure, I, I've never watched a Woody Allen movie, so... Oh, Todd, really? Not one single one. Annie Hall. you got to watch Annie Hall. I don't, That's I don't, my favorite. I don't know if I do. I... <laughs> <laughs> you are strongly advised, Dr. Sewell. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, but I do know of that kind of... Uh, that, that characterization, and, yeah. and uh, when, I, when I laughed at the beginning, it was more because I have no idea <laughs> what that really means, but... Or like the other term, people like nervous Nellies. And it's mm-hmm. not just anxiety, nervous, but it's right, kind of yeah. people who have this sort of like nervous energy that are, they're kind of like, they're, they're just always like on edge kind of, oh, again, overthinking is mm-hmm. like a big one, like making a, like making a mountain out of a molehill. Right, like right. There's, that's a good way to, re- to to look at that. Making a mountain out of a molehill, whether it's anxiety or an insecurity or a mm-hmm. catastrophizing False kind mistake. of way or I made an error. Yep. Um, somebody who maybe sends an emails and then spend uh, hours pouring over every word they said and worrying about how that might be received or um, yeah, that kind of catastrophic kind of reaction to things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just sort of always on the lookout for negative things, mm-hmm. like kind of on the lookout for dangers, whether it was something in the past that was the, the bad that happened or something that might happen in the future. Or yeah. What, Very what, hypersensitive to whatever neuroses they might kind of struggle with. Yeah. 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 Right. And a hard time kind of putting putting stuff down, putting mm-hmm. these things down, mm-hmm. right? And kind of getting on with um, whatever, life. Yeah, right? they kind of soak in these, or uh, marinate in these mm-hmm. uh, aversive kind of reactions to things. Yeah. It's hard for so them does to this, does this come up in therapy? Like, do you, do you, 
I don't know, like like if I scanned like all your notes over the last five years, like would the term neuroticism show up a lot? Like is that how you think about stuff? No, in no. Um, I mean, it's a very broad term that describes kind of a general reactivity to negative emotion, but um, there's not a lot of um, specificity in that. And so I don't use that or write that word down very much. Um, it is highly correlated with things like anxiety and depression and things like that. So um, people who score high in neuroticism also score high in anxiety, sometimes mm -hmm. depression, borderline personality disorder, some of these um, uh, other disorders. But it's not a term I, I write down a lot or, yeah. or share with my clients and try to explain because there's not a lot of utility in, in that kind of right. broad general description of what's going on. So where does, this, where does this come from? Is this like a genetic thing? Is it a temperamental thing? Is it something learned when you're a kid? Like what, what's the deal? Like do, what do we know about sort of the origins of neuroticism? Probably both. There's an inheritability trait of a lot of disorders, um, but then it's learned and rehearsed as well. And I, I tend to look at things as habit habits and, mm -hmm. and how you learn to cope around things. And so... Um, Worry is, is definitely something you might see with someone who's neurotic or, or who has some neuroticism. And, and so um, those behaviors are what you tend to work on more rather than the general idea of how do we help you become not as um, neurotic as, as, as you are right now. That doesn't seem to be very helpful. But looking at how are you, how is that being displayed, whether it's worry, uh, rumination, avoidance, whatever that is. Yeah, I often see, I mean, what, what, when I have a client who either self-describes himself as neurotic or even when I think like, yeah, they're pretty neurotic. It, one very common factor is there was often a lot of modeling of neurotic behavior mm -hmm. in their life early on, usually mm -hmm. a parent, right? Who yeah. was kind of a warrior, right? Or who was very, had a hard time regulating their emotions and, and flew into tirades maybe and yeah, or just kind of yeah. used, used overthinking as a, like that was how they clearly coped with stress. Mm -hmm. And then, it's not hard to see how that, that modeling would be learned mm -hmm. by um, someone who was around that a lot. So well, I, I think, think that's so important to, to realize um, mm -hmm. that, that children watch their parents to see how to cope with things, mm -hmm. you know, and um, if, if something happened and, and you, you know, saw dad kind of constantly repeating the same worries and what if this and what if this and what are we going to do and how are we going to deal with this and oh my God, oh my God, then it also heightens your own anxiety as a kid. Yeah. So you're kind of swimming in those same hormones, right. those same stress hormones, Gosh, and you're watching someone like just, <laughs> yeah, just perseverate about everything. I mean, this is going to be a, um, it'd be hard not to pick up that habit. Right. Yeah. But I, I like too that you, I think there is a part of it that is more innate or biological or genetic or whatever you want to call mm -hmm, it. And, mm -hmm. and the way I like to talk about this though with my clients is, um, if you think about it, I like it kind of an evolutionary perspective on this, which if you think about society, like human beings as a species, right? Or even as like a little tribe, say you got a tribe, you're, you're like a hunter gatherer caveman living out in the Savannah and you're, you live in this little tribe of like a hundred people, mm -hmm. right? Now, what would your odds of survival be if everyone in your tribe was just super happy-go-lucky, carefree, lived life with rose-colored glasses, always expecting the best to happen, like it would be a disaster. There yeah. is no way that tribe would survive, yeah. right? They would get taken over by a neighboring tribe. They would get eaten by saber-toothed tigers, right, like right. whatever. You need, society needs people who are thinking about the possibility of negative things happening, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so to me, it, but 
Similarly, if you had a society who was entirely constructed of negative Nancys and like worry warts and people who were just constantly on edge about like, that would also not go very well right. either. So like, it takes a village, right? You kind of need this distribution in a population of all sorts of different types, right? Yeah. Just like if you were the, I don't know, if you ran a company or you were the president of the United States, right? You would want a diversity of opinions among your advisors. Some people who are a little more neurotic and worried about unlikely but still dangerous situations and some people who could temper that and say, you know what, things are actually pretty good, like we should work on. You would want that kind of diversity, right? So I, I, I say this because I think it can help people um, you know, understand that there is actually some utility to mm -hmm. their personality style, right? It's society as a whole and even individuals benefit in some unexpected ways or ways that they don't maybe give themselves credit for being sort of neurotic. Like you, you, I think you see this a lot among, well, let me put it this way. If I'm hiring an accountant, I want someone who's a little neurotic. I don't want someone who's like super easygoing and like, oh, it'll be fine. Like, I'll don't worry out, about yeah. it. Like, it's just taxes, man. Like, numbers don't match up. I would okay. rather have someone who's a little on the side of like, well, you could get audited. It's not likely, but it's it's a possibility. Yeah. So I, I think that it's important for people to, if you, if you are kind of on the more neurotic side of things, it's important to remember that like, as much as it, can be distressing and, and not feel great. And you compare yourself to all these happy-go-lucky people who don't have a care in the world. There are probably advantages to that mm. that maybe you're not um, either to yourself or even to other people um, that are good to kind of remind yourself of. Yeah, and the balance the other side of it, I think this segues nicely into a conversation about being very suspicious about your emotions too. Mm. Um, to realize that, that you may struggle with some neuroticism isn't a bad thing necessarily. It teaches you something really great about yourself, which is I tend to react in a, in a kind of magnified way sometimes to how I feel or, or to what I think about some situations. And I want to temper that with some suspicion of, of what I'm feeling. Um, just as you said, I mean, you, you don't want to be the person who crosses the road just by kind of wandering out there because you're It'll not be worried fine. about anything, you know, but you don't also, you, you kind of want to get better at judging the distance and speed of cars so that you can still cross that road. Um, and, and, and helping you understand that maybe you react big in some ways to situation, um, really gives people a handle on getting better, maybe about judging the speed and distance of things. Sometimes it can really help, um, you, you gain some, uh, degree of control and, and functional, um, control over your behavior. Yeah. I like that getting kind of more instead of just thinking of it as this global thing that like, oh, I'm neurotic, thinking of it as it's this like a tendency your body has. Yeah, right? I have a tendency and to it's, do that, yeah. it's useful in some situations. Mm -hmm. It's not so useful in others. Um, so to just try and get more, more understanding and awareness of when should I go with this and when is this actually helpful and when mm -hmm. is this something, as you said, I should be a little suspicious of and maybe kind of not give so much weight to. Right, right. And, you know, to get to get better at kind of uh, creating other ways to make decisions rather based on just that feeling. It's mm -hmm. like, ooh, I know when I feel this, sometimes I can, I can be overreacting to this in a way and how do I get better at finding out when that is and you use other markers for those indications rather than just the way you feel. Hey everyone, Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.